tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. We were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. All men and women created by the goal, you know the you know the It's going to say, you want free speech? Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours. You want to claim this land as a land of the free? Now show me that. Defend that. Celebrate that in your classroom. Then stand up and sing about the land of the free. Which do you like more, Congress or lice? <laughs> Well, we like lice. Here's my eight words people need to stop redefining. Hate, victim, hero, shame, violence, survivor, phobic, and white supremacist. That America's leading industry is still the manufacture, distribution, packaging, and marketing of bullshit. I uh, recently got a piece of information, and I uh, am going to someone, someone, I think it might have been Yepix who sent it to me, I cannot remember who though, um, that said, what it basically did is, is it said that, look, at Princeton had did a study in which it, ex it basically came down to the fact that the top 10% of earners in the United States have 90% of the political power. Now, I know that's not really a surprise that the bottom 90% of people only have about 10% of the political power in the United States, especially when you start thinking about every people start thinking about, does my vote really mean anything? But I, so and we've had a lot of questions coming lately of how would you handle things? What do you do? And the one thing that kind of gave me a little bit of hope was and it's going to introduced myself as a giant geek and nerd was a quote from the hobbit of all things now it was in the movie the hobbit i know tolkien wrote it and i don't remember exactly which book the quote shows up in because i know it wasn't in the same scene as in the hobbit but it is a quote from gandalf in which he says and sean i think you've actually mentioned this one before saruman believes that it is only with great power that can hold evil in check but that's not what I have found. I found that it is the small things, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay, simple acts of kindness and love. And so that's really kind of where I come in from lately is, is just do what you can to make the world around you a slightly better place. With that said, the world is becoming a scarier place, and a lot of it comes down to what people are referring to lately as criminal justice reform. We mentioned it in our last cast a couple of weeks ago that uh, especially in the uh, state of Illinois and the city of Chicago that the concept of cash bail is just disappearing. Uh, and how this is in some ways a frightening concept because what you're finding is is that people who are accused of and have even previously committed violent crimes are just kind of being told here's a ticket come back when we say that you should 
without anything either prompting them to come back or taking somebody who is a violent criminal off the streets. Uh, and this one I do know came directly from Yepix. He was nice enough to send me some information with regards to the inequities of the cash bail system. And I, as usual, I really appreciate the stuff that he sends me because it definitely makes me think. I think it, the problem probably from his perspective is, is I don't always come to the conclusions that he wants me to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I did go over the information he sent me, and, I, and it got me thinking that, you know, I, I can see where people are coming from with the idea of the bail system and even criminal justice as a whole being a problem if you're uh, worried about racial equity. I am not personally worried about racial equity. I am worried about equality. Uh, equality of opportunity, equality of treatment, etc., not equity of outcome, because I don't really think equity of outcome is something that really is worth aspiring to, because it's not it, taking control of the equity of outcome doesn't really change the causes of what it is that you're dealing with. So, so that, that's kind of going to be our, where we're going to start today is with criminal justice reform and the fact that, yes, I agree with the fact that it needs to be reformed, but how and why do you do it? Um, my own personal thought process is, is you start taking a little bit more of a distinction between violent and nonviolent criminals. Thoughts on that one? Oof. Uh... There is a definite difference. The, the the violent crime, you know, you're talking uh, like assault, stabbings, shootings, rape, that kind of thing. I would consider I would lump all of those into violent crime. Uh, this is something that to to spin um, Boondock Saints. You know, this is something that every man of every faith can embrace, right? These are not polite suggestions. Punish those people. They are obviously not going to adhere to societal rules, so let's fix that. Uh, to me, that's a no-brainer. For some reason, our society lately has gotten away from that. They're thinking that... Uh, and we've we've had an actual uh, textbook uh, uh, examples of how that reacts to, you know, the the talking cure and and uh, soft love uh, from the uh, from the establishment and constabulary where they don't prosecute and they don't show up and they just they offer counseling and stuff like. If you're doing violent crime. I think you need to be responded to with uh, some very severe consequences, uh, because as we've seen, uh, if you announce that, hey, look, there's going to be effectively no consequence for you immediately for doing that. And even if there is, it's going to be very slight. Uh, look what's happened in all of the cities who have enacted that. I mean, when now, uh, even after it only took a year, it took a year. That's it. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, that's not very long for you know everybody on all the the um, 
woke city councils and states and everything to to be screaming defund the police to quietly refunding them and bringing back officers in every place except Illinois. Uh, there's it's and I guess well, Washington. I mean, you know, okay. It, I'm, it doesn't I'm gonna, take long. I'm going to make two comments here. One of them is direct, and the other one is playing devil's advocate. So I'm going to start with the direct one first, which is, um, hell, even the mayor Lori Lightfoot, when the president of McDonald's said that he was going to start pulling restaurants out of the city of Chicago because things were becoming too violent, her statement was is that he should educate himself. And my response to that is, how educated do you need to be at the barrel of a gun? If someone's pointing a gun at you, if somebody's being violent towards you, what sort of education do you need to figure out how to handle that? Or how more than we have. Okay. I mean, I I don't understand what she's talking about. Like, like, well, listen here, crazy bitch. What do you, what do you, (laughs) what do you mean? Like. I don't know. She, she makes me so crazy. I really don't like her. Well, um, well I'm going I'm to throw the devil's advocate portion of it to you as well, because this is one of the arguments that was made in uh, one of the articles that I read was, um, what about uh, innocent before proven guilty? Which is, you know, this, these, a person who is being held by uh, without bail, or with a exorbitant amount of cash bail uh, to the point where it makes it unaffordable for them to get released. Uh, these people have not been com- convicted of anything yet, and we're holding them. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for the. <laughs> I'm waiting for how you think that's bad. <laughs> Uh, well, and, and once again, that's where I start uh, saying that we one of the things that we probably need to do is start making a little bit more differentiation between violent and nonviolent crime. Where where you'd start oh, you're dealing... saying that some people who who have not committed violent crimes, then okay, I see. What you're well, saying. no, because well, that's the argument that's being made is whether or not whatever crime you've been accused of, you have, you have not been proven guilty yet. So where does the state get the right to incarcerate you? And I think that's a, that's an actually an interesting concept. I don't agree with it, but I think it's an interesting one. And part of it is is the fact of uh, maybe a little bit more scrutiny needs to get put into how that decision is made. Uh, Obviously, if you've got somebody who is not a repeat offender, who is charged with something that is a nonviolent or maybe even just flat out a victimless crime, maybe that person should be released on their own recognizance. Whereas if you've got enough evidence to indict someone for mass murder, yeah, maybe they should be incarcerated while we're waiting for trial and have to, you know, go through the process before we let that person free. Or if they have a history of crime. Okay, you, you, this is your, you know, we have the three strike system. This is the third time you're back in. I don't think we're going to give you bail this time. Okay, well, let me let me back up for a second. If if that's the road we're going down, and, and I'm saying this in all honesty, this isn't a, a hypothetical trap. Do you think that um, our current justice system is built as a deterrent for crime? Or do you think that these, like incarceration and the punishments and the legal system, is built as a deterrent for crime or as a punishment for after that happens? 
That, that's actually an, an, an interesting question. Do, my answer to the way I think the, the um, criminal justice system works at the moment, and it's one of the few arguments I have against the criminal justice system, and it's actually considering my response on a lot of things like uh, the medical system and stuff like that might even come as a bit of a surprise. I don't think our privatized uh, criminal justice system with regards to private prisons and stuff like that is appropriate. And I think that's where a lot of that comes from. People are making money by keeping people in prison. Lots and lots of money. So my answer to that to some extent is uh, I I think it should be a little bit of both. I think that... You know, I think nonviolent crime should be pretty much answered with things like community service, whereas violent crime, you should be in put in prison and prison should be a horrible place to be. It should be a punishment and a deterrence. It should be one of those things, you know, where people are saying, um, uh, OK, I've been to prison before. I already know who my bitch is. Uh, I, I'll survive the two years. It should be, holy shit, they're going to put my ass in prison for two years? Um, uh, uh, no. Hmm. There's a couple of, I, and I, it may be my own naivete, right? I, I may be just too naive. But there's a couple of things that, that I think, I, I, one, I, I, I 100% agree that the the privatization and the capitalization of monetary gain for for keeping prisoners in the United States is abhorrent. Uh, I also think the that the um, the charges in which land you in prison uh, so that you can get a guy who was a drug dealer and never committed an offense, but he was selling the weed on a corner. Uh, gets put in the same cell or right next to the same guy who committed first degree murder, there's a problem here. Okay. And they both yeah. get roughly the same sentences. Uh, this I, is I'd this rather, is a problem. I'd rather be seeing the guy who got put for got caught for the weed doing community service. I mean, we're talking about all this infrastructure stuff and, you know, needing workers for do it. I've got no hesitation for the fact of, okay, you work for the state for the next couple of weeks doing uh we're we're building roads. Yeah, here's and, and mine kind of goes alongside this, and I, I didn't do my research on this, and I, I know it's it's a, it's a Scandinavian country, and I and I am sorry, I didn't, I don't, I don't remember which one it is, but, but they have a a prison system, that, for, and I don't think this works for everybody, like mass murderers, no, you know, first degree murder, no, uh, but people who, maybe didn't have the same advantages or or are trying to reform or something like that are put in a refer you know a reforming facility where yeah you are technically in prison but they sort of like demolition man they teach you a skill you you learn to to be part of a community you do your therapy you do your stuff and they they try and rehabilitate you and i think there is a rehabilitate a path for rehabilitation for people who are, are needed or wanted or or can benefit from that. I think I think that's something sorely lacking in our prison system today. I also agree that um, what 
passes for criminal justice in most cities, counties, and states in our country is a mockery of what it should be. Well, it's, um, it's, it's also heavily politicized versus being anything that you would call legitimate. Oh, I would. I, would I mean, say it, so. it, look, yeah. I'm, I'm going to use an example that a lot of people are hearing lately that, you know, some people are probably going to their heads are probably going to explode to do, uh, do it is you had a young man during the riots who was on videotape defending himself from a, another armed human being. And he was hounded. I mean, he had like hundreds of thousands of dollars of bail. You have a guy who millions. Had, if you're talking about the kid, I think you're talking about. OK, he, he, then you've got a. um uh, a, a gentleman who gets in his car and runs down an 18-year-old and flat out says, I did it because he's a conservative. Yeah. And he's out on $50,000 bond. Yeah. Uh, if it was uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, it was, I think it's a $2 million bill. And uh, the guy you're talking about, yeah, it's 50000 You know, so so really, quite frankly, you're talking about a system that is heavily politicized even then versus having anything that you might consider. And God, I hate using this word fair. I. I I it's clearly not fair. Uh, Our legal system, while I would say. And, and it's just going out on a limb here, and I'm going to have everybody who's ever been involved with the legal system disagree with me. But I would say, while it is not as broken as our political system, uh, the further in depth you get into our legal system uh, at any level, you will realize that it isn't right either. Uh, I won't even get into civil court and and <laughs> how the laws are are stacked against uh let's say family court or something like that how the laws are stacked and and rigged to supply women with a victory um the the war on drugs which is absolutely hysterical since um everything as far as i can tell as far as i can tell everything we were ever told as kids you and me in gen x Everything we were ever told about cannabis has been a fucking lie uh, by our government. Well, uh, but, but once again, it's it, we're looking at a lot of these things that uh, okay. I'll, I'll I'll take one of the examples that you, you that you used, which was family court and divorce and being stacked towards women. There is a reason for that, and at the time it was created, it was a legitimate reason, which was at the time it was most likely. Not completely, but most likely that you had a woman who had never had a job outside the home before, who was going to be left with several children uh, and a husband who was basically as the man the, took. Yeah, the, the 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 entire income for the family, the how, you know, the whatever it is, and jaunted off with his secretary and left her in the lurch with her kids. And, and we've never yeah. and, and what we've not done is adjusted for the changing of times. No, not at all. So so what we're talking about here is as a lot of these things have changed, our information on on marijuana and cannabis has changed, whereas you now have things like fentanyl out there, which are 10 times worse than heroin. Um, it, it, and we haven't 
you you can probably get similar jail time for having a pocket full of weed, depending on which state you're in, as you can having a pocket full of fentanyl, whereas one is going to make you happy and munchy and the other one's going to kill you. Here's here's where I, I really I get upset about the hypocrisy. OK, this is this is a real life example. This actually happened uh, recently. So weed is illegal. Cannabis. Cannabis is illegal in Texas. OK. Still is, has been for a great deal of time. Now, um, this is recently known to me. Uh, D8, Delta 8, and Delta 9 are completely legal in Texas. <laughs> I just heard you on another podcast talking about this. Completely legal in Texas. And as far as I can tell, and I've had both now, it's the same freaking thing. I mean, one is the more concentrated than the other and all that kind of, but the effects are the same. Now... Here's my problem, okay? Everyone, apparently, up until about a month ago, I was unaware of this. Everybody has, has kind of – I wondered why CBD oil shops are popping up like freaking daisies all around me. And I'm like, how many people like vaping this much? It's not vaping that they're into, right? That's, this is, <laughs> that's not what's selling. Okay, they have, they have a little vape corner in the thing, but the whole rest of it is is D eight, right? D nine, whatever. And I I mentioned this because I I did purchase some D eight gummies legally in Texas, as I naturally would, just to see what was going on with it and everything. And I liked them, enjoyed them very much. Ate all the freaking cereal in my house. But um, I mentioned this to my parents. Now my mother, uh, who is seventy years old, has uh, apparently done copious amounts of drugs when she was in the Philippines during the Vietnam War with my father, who also used to get loaded. Uh, all well, not things. Only, not, I, not only that, but you're talking about people who are around in the 60s. I mean, right. Yeah. Now, these same people who swore up and down that drugs will ruin my life and cannabis was a gateway drug and all that kind of stuff. And it have just I have have always preached to to to. Uh, to anyone or any deity you would want to swear to that drugs would ruin your life. As soon as I told them about D8 and that it was illegal, my father of 70 years old went down to a CBD shop, popped in, bought $120 worth. And my mother and him proceeded to get high that night. <laughs> and every night, as far as I can tell, <laughs> since that day. Okay, and apparently their tolerances are way higher than mine, but we can get into that in another cast. Anyway, so as it turns out, uh, this has a great deal of benefits. Uh, one, it lowers my father's anxiety, which he has the same anxiety, but which is what I use it for. It is to calm myself down. Uh, 25 milligrams of D8 just calms uh, me I, right the hell out. If I out. understand the, the term for this is microdosing? Yes. Um, just calms me right the hell down and I'm not as anxious and I, I find it very relaxing and I just, it's, it's very nice. If I can stay off the cereal, I'm fine. Um, but this <laughs> brings a whole new concept to Lucky Charms. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. It's bad. It was bad. I'd have a box of cereal and the shits for a day. Anyway. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, when you're 40 years old, there's only so much fiber that you can handle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I was regular for like three days anyway. But it has tremendous health benefits for my mother who has arthritis in both her knees, her hands and all that kind of stuff. And suddenly my mom can drive again. 
she she's experiencing life without pain for the low price of a dollar sixty five a day, right? Because that's how much if you break it down, that's how much one of these damn gummies costs is a dollar sixty five. Okay, do you know how much her arthritis medication costs her? Oh. I mean, even with Medicare, I mean it's it's outrageous. And and this little freaking gummy for a dollar sixty five, and she's pain free all day. So, as far as I can tell, what happened in the seventies and eighties is the U.S. government decided that it would throw a blanket over all of this for the war on drugs, and it would list cannabis because uh, that was the most prevalent as a gateway drug, and that would they would they would use that and they would just clamp down on all this stuff, which of course didn't really help any. Because um, they were importing all of it into the United States anyway, like all the cocaine and all that kind of stuff. It was being imported by the government anyway, um, which if you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch several documentaries on documentaries on Netflix and you'll find out what we're talking about. It's like, wow, they had a war on drugs, but they were importing it. Well, but, I mean, if you're going to have a war on drugs, first of you, all, you got to have a war. <laughs> You got to have drugs. You got to have drugs. You got to have the I mean, like both parties have to come to this. So but what what they've done is they have societies changed and we figured out that one cannabis is not addictive Two, there's a lot of of health pain and, and medical benefits to cannabis. It's extremely cheap to do and everybody knows that. So they can't jack the price up on it. And. Um, it's a lot better for you in many cases than the medication they're trying to shove down your throat. Now, we've, it took us 20, 30 years to come to this as a group, right? However, the laws haven't changed, right? It's still federally illegal. States are okay with it, but even in states where it is legal, they can still arrest you for it in some cases. Well, federally they can. Right. And depending on how much you have and who stops you and what they're doing, you can you can still go to jail for it. So we we have a case of we are not adequately. I guess all that to say we are not adequately um, to use this example uh, specifically adjusting and and reinterpreting our laws and our cases and our focus at all. What we're doing is we're keep doing the same thing, and they're using uh, the law enforcement and, and government entities and enforcement are using these quote unquote loopholes that are f in fact technically still legal for them to do, and pushing different political agendas with them, and have been for what decades. Well, but but even then, I mean, we we we've talked about it on other casts before. We're talking about the possibility of re-examining uh, laws due to whether it be drugs, criminal justice, or anything. And really, legislatures don't do that anymore. What they're basically no. doing is is just deciding who gets the money, and then hands off from everything else. So what well, you, what you, so we're still dealing with laws that are 60, 70, 80 years old, and no one's even considering the possibility of possibly looking to adjust them for the times. So 
so you've got things like a criminal justice system that is still basically set up for the drug war. And it's, I don't even have words for it. I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to basically say that, it, oh, look, I'll just say it. It's fucked. Oh, yeah. I, and my, and here's my problem. The, 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 the issue that I see isn't even that we need to adjust them. We know that. It isn't even that uh, we, we couldn't come to a consensus as a people on, as a culture, on what we think needs to be done about it. My issue or my fear or my belief, I should say all three, really, is that I don't think as a country, as a nation, uh, with the rules, boundaries, and political system that we have in place, that we're capable of changing it. I don't even think it's possible for – because it would require enough lawmakers and enough political – entities to get together and do something that is for the people and carry through with it without tacking on some other crap or out without having some weird ass political agenda behind it or without just uh, turning it into something horrible afterwards i don't even think we're capable of doing that anymore i at all i actually can't argue with that statement but there is another portion of this that is, you know, once again, our answers to things is probably going to make someone's head explode. But really, at this point, especially in our society, needs to be brought into this conversation, which is, uh, what about the racial component to criminal justice at this point in life? Well, that's a broad question. In what way? Uh, in, in all ways. I mean, let's put it this way. I mean, I... I you know, really don't like talking about racial equity because I don't think it's a, I, I don't think it's a, it's an adequate way to try to correct the problem is to try to change the outcomes. I think we're looking, you're looking at the wrong end of the problem. Um, you know, my, my statement is, is, and I know a lot of people roll their eyes at this statement is, is that what, what most people look at and think of as a racial issue is actually a socioeconomic issue which is the numbers of minorities that are in prison compared to Caucasian people like you and me. Yeah, there, there, I, I would largely agree with that. Uh, I think that there is a, let me separate these two, right? I think that you're right. There is a socioeconomic problem. And because of the way that that manifests itself in urban areas, um, the people that exist in urban areas are largely uh, the mix of of race and ethnicity is different than it is in like uh, largely affluent suburban areas or richer areas or something like that. I think that mix is different for sure. Uh, now, if you separate that, so it would make sense that like if you're in the heart of Detroit or Chicago or D.C. or or something like that, you're going to get a different ethnic mix than uh, like you would in South Texas or Florida. Like Florida, it's going to be largely Latino. Uh, Chicago, it's going to be largely black. If it's going to be, you know, it's depending on where you are and what city it is, the inner city or urban areas are going to have a different ethnic mix. Now, 
what we've also developed alongside of that. So like if you're committing 100 crimes and you, probably more than 50 of them are going to be committed inside of that inner city by an ethnicity that is not white. Um, what we've developed alongside of that is this bias, right? It is a bias for law enforcement, and it's it, it does need to be corrected. Uh, like I, I like uh, rewind a couple of years ago, and you have the whole George Floyd thing. Uh, my wife is law enforcement. Um, a friend of mine has daughter in Secret Service. Uh, I, I like many of the people I know are law enforcement. They saw the tape. They're like, first of all, that's incorrect procedure. Second of all, he should have done this. Third, he should have done this. You know, like he was wrong, both in procedure, follow up, backup, all that kind of stuff. He was wrong. Now, was the guy a good dude? I don't think so. Um, it, it was, but there was a bias there. And our law enforcement, for better or worse, have developed in some cases a, a ethnic bias. Those two things don't necessarily go – everybody tries to conflate the two, and it's – they're different issues, right? Like if you're in the middle of inner city – and Chicago's in uh, – I'll get I'll use Chicago for this. Do you remember – I lived in Chicago at the time. Do you remember what Chicago's answer was to uh, fixing the crime rate in Chicago? In the 1980s, early 1980s? Actually, no. I was uh, more looking at Baltimore and D.C. at that point in time. Fair enough. So Chicago's answer was actually pretty unique. So what they did at the time was uh, the mayor decided that they were going to feel for the people. They were going to experience what the people experienced. So they they went down to the to the inner city, the heart of of Chicago, and they lived for two weeks. With the people, quote unquote, with the I'm using finger quotes now um, with that, they arrived with a police motorcade SWAT, <laughs> you know, 50 officers. They were protected every so like you give me a small army of cops. Yeah, I wouldn't feel bad about going downtown either. They declared victory, declared it safe and then moved on. Well, when that didn't work, uh, what they decided they do is uh, have you ever heard of Cabrini Green? I have not. Okay, it was it was famous. Uh, they used to sing about it in rap songs and all that kind of stuff. It was it was a project. It was a particularly terrible project. Uh, what they decided they'd do is they take all the people from the project, like Cabrini Green, and uh, what they thought they'd do is relocate them. So they closed down the projects and then took all the people and redistributed them to the surrounding suburbs. Thus, statistically, lowering the crime in Chicago proper and declaring victory. Now, what they didn't go over is what they did is just transplanted all of that crime to the suburbs. So, But Chicago, the actual city, safer crime went down because they just got rid of the people committing the crimes. That's all they did. And it was a brilliant stroke of of Chicago bullshittery. Uh, that was their answer to <laughs> fixing the crime, right? 
we'll just get rid of these people for a little while and, and shuffle them around. That way we can twerk the numbers. And, well, and that, that's your basic answer to anything political anyway, which is make it look special on my watch so I get reelected. And when I'm done, um, we'll just blame it on somebody else. Sure. And and that was it's it's a different page out of the same playbook. Right. I mean, I mean, look, they're doing it in the White House every single fucking day of the week right now. Oh, yeah. I, it's like a, I, I, I get really so tired. I really do miss Jen Psaki. <laughs> she, may have been, she may have been spreading presidential bullshit, but at least she did it with class. <laughs> I don't miss Jen Psaki, uh, at, like, at all. <laughs> I hated her. I hate the chick who replaced her. I Like, both of them are just equal ends of the... the hit it with the stupid stick. Um, I, I hate, <laughs> I, I hate that, that we have to deal with that. Um, well, I, look, as, as just to use analogies, they're both serving up bullshit. Jen Saki used to basically look at you and go, look, this is bullshit. You and I both know it's bullshit, but you, sir, are going to eat the bullshit that I serve you. Whereas this young lady that's there now is basically looking at you going, no, no, this isn't bullshit. This is cake. And you should eat your cake like a good little boy and smile and enjoy it. You know, the I, at last least, one... I at least respected the, the first. <laughs> the last one I really respected. I, I didn't like her. I don't like her, her political views. I didn't like her much in anything, but... But Kaylee McCainy, 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 whatever her name, the the Trump's blonde, the last, the last one Trump had, the blonde chick. Yeah, well, she, you said she went to Fox. Or well, something well, like her that. her answer was, uh, okay, yes, this is bullshit, but let's look at the bullshit under your chair. <laughs> I I loved her. I I thought she was hysterical. Just to just to watch the mastery of what she did, like. Like she'd take that bullshit and and just like reverse Uno card on you, you know. Like it was it was amazing to watch. I was like, wow, that is a professional. Like I I hated her policies. I hated the policies of the guy she was working for. I didn't like agree with any. But to watch the mastery of like, what you know. <laughs> I mean, she was definitely had that Bruce Lee flow like water thing going Verbal on. Verbal judo, I think, is what they refer to it as. Yeah. Oh man, she was good. I like it was it was masterful to watch. Like I I hated all the policies and I thought their their administration was crap, but she was impressive. Okay, like I don't know where the hell he found her, but she was impressive. That was the last one I missed because it's like, at least it was entertaining to me i was like wow how's she gonna get out of that and, oh she's gonna go on the attack all righty <laughs> let's let's see how that's gonna work out oh my god they didn't have an answer for it oh my she just got out of that it was amazing to watch or she just shut down an interview she'd just be like yeah well we're done and i'm not talking about that anymore so moving on <laughs> like wow <laughs> hey i've given you the answer these are the facts have you got anything else what did she just do that? Yes, she did. Uh, it was it was fun to watch. It's too bad she had to go to Fox. Um, but I mean, I understand with her political leanings that that's where she was going to go. Just like Rachel Maddow is going to go to see uh, you know uh, uh, MSNBC, MSNBC, and and stuff like that. And that's the only place she can basically stay. <laughs> you know, like mm, yeah, no. Although 
I will say, and I know we're getting a little far away, but I loved that they just demoted Don Lemon. I I love that they put him on the morning show, and he's like, no, it's not a demotion. (laughs) Right. I mean, considering the fact that people are starting to have a little bit more cojones of actually speaking, you know, honest-to-God facts, especially to someone like Don Lemon, he's still dumb enough to ask the same fucking questions. So hysterical to watch. You know, his recent thing about reparations. And there was was also another piece of this old Yepix download that I had that, once again, made me think a lot about it. But he asked somebody about reparations, and they tore him up. I saw that clip. And it was basically kind of like, okay, you want to talk about reparations? Let's go all the way back to the supply chain. Where were these African slaves coming from? Well, they were coming from Africans. <laughs> Their own tribe, in some cases competing tribes, selling them off. So let's talk about that. And, and who were the first people to, uh, to uh, make it illegal? Europeans. The ones that you're bitching about. <laughs> oh, man. It's so, it's so great. I mean, but I, that, I, it, it's, it's just like uh, you know, going into court. You don't ask a question. You don't know exactly how you're, what answer you're going to get for it. And he's oh, just that's... walking into this shit. Oh, man. That, that, that trap door just smacked in his face, didn't it? It was just so good. And he I mean, didn't have – like he had zero – because you knew he's used to people just letting him have his way or he can just deny well, but this this it started with Don Lemon years ago when he was interviewing Morgan Freeman of all people, trying to get Morgan Freeman to suggest that you know uh, African Americans was were underprivileged and Morgan Freeman tore him up. I remember that interview. I just forgot it was Don Lemon. Yeah, it was Don Lemon. Because I remember Morgan Freeman going off on him, going like, "No, that's not how that works," and no, I don't think that. <laughs> I yeah. Like, no, I mean, <laughs> Basically looking at Don Lemon going, you and I are proof that there is possibilities. That is not true now, isn't it? You know, and I was like, ooh, somebody said Morgan Freeman. Oh. Uh, but that, uh, but see, this is the, the problem where, where I have when we start talking about racial equity, because I don't think that really gets us where we want to go, because you're never going to have equality or equity of outcome, because... As much as we'd like to say it, and these and the distinguishing between this is not race; it's individual to individual. Not everybody's as capable as everybody else. No, it's I, also not generationally possible. Like I am less successful than my father in that. But he could have a a single job, and his wife didn't work. That is not possible. But but for even me. but even as we take that out of it, just in the sheer concept of what somebody can accomplish now. I mean, should what, geez, I'm trying to figure out how to put this into a linear frame of thought and I'm failing miserably at it. Um, We really need to be making sure that everybody, despite be it race, socioeconomic standard or what, has the same opportunity to learn a trade and be educated and have a life. And then if someone chooses to not take advantage of that, that's on them. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and that's and not I'm, a popular sentiment right no, now. No, and but but even then I'll take it as even something that's going to be incredibly unpopular as I say it. A lot of people want to talk about the different uh, schools and how much money is being invested in school A and school B and school C. And a lot of that has to do to some extent sometimes where you have lower socioeconomic standards than you have higher ones. Um, And then, once again, just because we know that's true, a lot of those places where you have lower socioeconomic standards tend to be ethnic groups. Um, The problem is, is that, and, and I know this just from watching what's going on in the school districts around myself, being the fact that. Uh, I have family, friends, et cetera, who are who work in that. Even if you give all of these schools the same amount of money, and I think that you should, you know, they gave all of the kids throughout the entire state uh, iPads and then Chromebooks. The ones that went to those lower socioeconomic places never came back. And I don't mean as in never came back because somebody stole them, because they didn't give a shit about them. They damaged them. They destroyed them. You know, you're talking about places in which people are given things and they're not cared for. They're not appreciated. And I know someone's head just fucking exploded as I said that. But that's a choice that comes down from the individual who has that opportunity given to them. Did I do that right? (laughs) I think so. <laughs> somebody's head just exploded. Oh no, uh, I, no, I'm I'm quite aware that so somebody's head just exploded. But and and we can probably discuss if somebody wants the reasons for that. But that is a fact of life. It's documentable. It's provable. It's part of the thing. And I what I would like to take out of that is the idea that race specifically has anything to do with it today. I'm not talking about in years past. I know that we've had some really fucked up history with where it's to race. Quite frankly, the entire planet does. With that said, we're talking about what we do from today. So how do we change that? How do we get to a point where we can take and give these lower socioeconomic areas, be they Latino, whether they be African-American, whether they be poor white trash in Appalachia, no matter what that may be, it, we are trying to financially boost the educational systems in these areas, and the very people who are being given that boost are destroying it. I don't know if that's true in all cases. Uh, it's definitely true in some, but the first step we have to do in order to do that is one, look at what we've done for the last, I don't know, 50, 60 years and see what helped and what didn't. But right now we have a bigger problem than that. And, and that's it, at least in my opinion, we have a bigger problem than that is that the media glorifies racism and glorifies the talk of racism. Well, yeah, but that because that increases viewership. But and what I, it's I, I done get... is it's 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 spun an entire culture around it, so that any 
anything that is is well, uh, it, like, okay. but it's all one way, right? It's, okay, it's let, all one way. Let let me let me put this a little bit differently because I'm not sure I explained that well, and I'm sure I explained it in a way that somebody's a lot of people's you know just basically shut down and went, we are not listening to what this dickhead has to say anymore. That's me on a weekly basis. That's I'm, I stick my foot in my mouth quite often. So I'm not I'm not sure that I basically explained it very well. Considering the fact that we have turned this into uh, a and I mean we as a society, we as a country, we as the media, we as the political base, all of that stuff have turned this into a concept of. I did. I don't have what that person has, and that makes me unhappy. How do we get to a point where we can look at somebody and say, "Here's the opportunity, take it or leave it," and then be able to say when somebody says, "I don't have what that person has," to be able to legitimately, because I do actually agree with some of the uh, rhetoric that goes around to say that right now we can't legitimately say this that we can legitimately look at people and say, if you don't have that, that's your fault. Two things. The first one was what I was saying earlier. Quit glorifying the the divination line between us. Like, quit glorifying racism. And quit uh, actually propping it up if it's a, perth of a, a person of ethnicity against uh, somebody who's – like, I watched a TikTok the other day. It was hysterical. This dude was calling out this chick because she's like, look, I'm not going to try and like race hate anybody, but I could never date a white guy because I'm just trying to keep my black bloodline <laughs> yeah, pure. Yeah, I saw that. And I'm like, she said that with a straight face. Holy shit. Like, this is what we've taught her and people in the culture today is that it's okay to be racist, which is what that is. Because if you flip that and the guy who was calling her out on it. Uh, was was absolutely right. If you flipped that and had a white guy saying, "I just want to keep my bloodline white and pure," they would they would shoot him uh, for being the racist piece of shit he is. Okay, but a, a person of color can say that, or a different ethnicity can say that with a straight face, and the media will just applaud them, like golf clap them. That we have to stop that first. Get that the hell out. Like, that's racism. It's not reverse racism or whatever the hell it is. That's just racism is what that is. And you're divide, You're purposely dividing the color or, you know, the, the ethnicity and the backgrounds of people so that you can feel special. We have to stop that as a culture. The second thing we need to do is – if if you want a fair shake and you want everybody to feel like they have the same shot as everybody else, one, stop making people feel like they are not everybody else. Uh, and the next thing is – and this is something we have trouble with at, at all levels in, in our society – is stop and, and really educate kids from a, a – young standpoint about what is real and what is important and what is not. Uh, right now, we've had this kind of culture shift. Um, and, and some of it's deserved, to be quite honest, and some of it's just weird. Um, give you, uh, I'll walk you through what I'm thinking. When we were kids, right, 
you and I, Gen X, so we're talking early 80s here. What did they tell us when we were little, right? Work hard, learn as much as you can, and you can achieve whatever it is you wanted to do, right? And though I will, and this probably comes down to a lot of what I'm talking about right now, which is whether it's naive or not, I still think that's true. I think it's true to a certain degree. Um, I think part of it was never true because it's 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 always been, you know, like people who have connections and ways in and avenues in and family or friends or, or influence or something like that in circles that you don't run in have an immediate advantage. And that's always going to be true. You're always going to have haves and have nots. You're always going to have that. What we have right now, though, is a breakdown in the the have nots have no leg up we have no way forward college has been degraded to the point where it is just a financial debt decision not a higher education but even then it's a, it's a lot of times of what it is that you go to college to learn i mean look i Again, I, I was I, I was looking at a twitter stream today and i was sitting there going i thank god i found out it was a parody but uh, <laughs> It was uh, somebody claiming to be a doctor of lesbian studies at some college whatsoever. And <laughs> just the things that were coming over were just like, oh, my God. And now eventually I, I, I found out that it was, in fact, a parody. And it was kind of like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. My favorite is, is you know, like right now, the, the hot ticket, right? The one that all colleges are just selling out of is a communications major, right? I'm going to be, I'm a, what are you? I'm a communications major. It's a fantastic way of saying, I'm going to be an influencer. What was it, the other one that's been online, which is people going around asking uh, college students what should be basically easy questions, getting the dumbest answers, and then asking what their major is and finding out? Communications. <laughs> Communications. Yeah. No, that that does happen. And I've seen a couple of those and I'm like, oh, man, there it actually is true. You know, like there's there's some there's some weight to that stereotype. Uh, it's which is funny because um, I have a former podcaster of uh, a co-host of mine who, <laughs> who went back to school. He's a communications major. <laughs> Absolute dick. Uh, anyway, um, it, it's. It's that inequality, right? The inequality of choice, right? There's always going to be haves and have-nots. Now, that gulf is widening, right? So that now I think it's it's more true now than it was in the 70s and 80s that if you come from money, you'll stay from money. And if you come from not money, you will never be there. That has never been more true in the last 100 years than it is now, in my particular opinion. Uh, because we have tried our best as a country to remove those options or to make them so valueless that even choices that should have helped us do not anymore. Uh, I, I know it's not popular to say right now, but I think Mike Rowe has it right. You know, we need to focus on fundamentals and we need to focus on things that actually do something, right? Um, there's always going to be a need for, uh, you know, higher end education, like your doctors and your lawyers and, and all that kind of stuff. But 
Um, and they're, they're going to need to be extra trained. You know, they're, they have extra training that they need to know to perform those jobs correctly. That isn't most gigs, <laughs> right? Most gigs don't need four years of training, quite honestly. Um, they can be done quite nicely with either an apprenticeship, a certificate, a two-year degree, or, or something of that nature. And we don't do that now. We just don't. I mean, I, I got a two-year degree, went into the workforce, and had a ball because um, I was trained for an entry-level position and as a tech worker, basically. I went to tech school. It was but, called art school, but, but I went to tech school. nobody wants an entry-level position anymore. And that's that's another issue. We're we're not properly preparing our younger generation for how life actually works if you're a normal person. Everybody has we've gotten this this thing where we're like shoot for the stars, you know, work on your passion. Oh for fuck like your passion 9 times out of 10 doesn't pay anything, okay? <laughs> it just doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, yes, you get you, the rare occasion. You mean your goal to be a champion skeet shooter is not going to support your family? You know, it's not. Um, it's just not. Uh, I would love to do that. Now, my goal to be a gunsmith might support my retirement. Yes, maybe. I, I can see that happening. <laughs> that kind of, kind of depends on that one lately. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on it. It depends on what you're smithing on. If it's an AR-15, you may be SOL. However, um, there's there's a level of uh, my favorite example, and I I don't remember who said it or when it was, but it was like in the 70s or 80s, and they were interviewing somebody, and it was uh, a very educated dude, and he's like, look, you know, we really need to change the dreams of African American boys. Because all of them want to play ball for a living, and that's well, what all of them but, do. But the perspective that has been given to them, and I and I even say that this is – blame can be made on this one. The concept that has been given to them is that is the only way out. Right, and that's that's their dream is to go and play professional basketball. And he it, said, you know, it, there's probably a million kids – and he broke it down. There's a million kids or ten million kids – who want to do this and there's probably you know 15 colleges and about a thousand scholarships where you can go play ball for a college where you'll get an mba as attention and out of that thousand kids probably a hundred will be considered 50 will make it 20 will actually become nba players for more than one season so you got a million kids after 20 jobs that's it's mathematically infeasible. You're not going to make it. The chances are you're not going to make it. And there's stuff like that for all, like for every one of those basketball people, there's a Twitch streamer somewhere where some kid's looking at it and go, I'm going to play video games for a living and Twitch streaming, <laughs> or I'm going to be Kardashian. And, you know, like uh, they, they all have these halo do nothing jobs where they, they, they think, oh, this is the way forward. I'll just do that, and there's no preparation, there's no uh, uh, backup, there's no training, there's no talking with uh, other people of the generation that came before you going, okay, I'm not well, trying to crush your shit here, but that may not work out. What are you going to do if it doesn't? But, you know, the other part about that is, is even just the uh, 
you know, it, it, people want to idolize Kim Kardashian. It's kind of like, how do I get to be like that? Well, I mean, quite frankly, if you want to have a video of you screwing a basketball player circulate the Internet, I'm sure you can be Kim Kardashian, too. It's not even that. It's like, OK, first we got to go. I saw a, a comedian do this and he's like, look, if you want to create a Kim Kardashian, first you got to start with football. And then you got to have an O.J. Simpson and then you got to have a messy divorce and then you got to have a murder and then you got to have a trial in which Kardashian starts to defend him and gets buku money for getting him off of a crime he committed. And then you got to die and have your family go absolutely batshit crazy with your money afterwards. (laughs) And then she starts doing stuff like. Having sex with a guy on tape and then releasing it and everything. He goes, you got to start way farther back to have a Kim Kardashian. And then and then you got to go through all this horrible body modification and become a completely useless husk of a person so that you can capitalize greedily without morality on all of this fame. That's how you get a Kim Kardashian. Now. That's not a level that is attainable by many people. Uh, it's also um, not something I would recommend. You know, like I, I know people. I have talked with people who have firsthand now lived in the Kardashians' home. Um, these are not nice people. They are at best vapid, at worst horrible, horrible people. <laughs> Uh, you don't want any part of that. Uh, you, you look at, um, here's, here's look what they did to Bruce Jenner. <laughs> oh my God. Man was on the box of Wheaties. <laughs> he was so messed up. He didn't want to, uh, no, I'm not going to go there, but, <laughs> but sorry, I couldn't help myself on that one. Uh, it's, it's an old joke. <laughs> I tell it all the time. It's probably in bad taste, but you know what? It's uh, it, it's well, just. Well, I mean, hey, we we are we are excelling at bad taste today. So let let's let's stick with what's working for us. Um, you know, like there's there's all these these ways forward with education that I think we're not taking. We're also not looking at reality. Like I I was well, a couple but, of things. But that even kind of comes into where I'm kind kind of trying to go with this and i'll admit that i'm failing badly at trying to get there well you're trying to drive me there which is what was your first mistake because i don't go anywhere <laughs> well i well i i'm trying to uh shit i don't even know where i'm trying to go i'm in here. the car with you but i have no idea where we're going so if i'm supposed to be driving you have made a giant error so i here's my question then is there a way to do this without making race the key because i don't actually think it is the key and i know people are going to hate me for saying that i think it's a byproduct honestly i think that's a byproduct because we don't focus on the things that will will help fix it like you're saying i I think because i think our focus is a little bit off and 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 yes i say this as a white man um our focus is a little bit off because i think we're trying to too hard to get revenge for things that have happened in the past versus trying to figure out how to do better in the future. Well, that's the first one. Um, the second one is we don't actually value education and our education system is so flawed at this point to the point where it's, it's top end monetary gain is 
the root of all the education. Uh, schools don't. I mean, look at it. I mean, well, you've been through the school system. Schools don't actually focus on learning. They focus on standardized testing because that's where they get their funding from. Well, that that actually goes into something we've talked about before and another piece of information on, surprisingly enough, something completely different that Yepik sent me. He sent me a whole thing on uh, the some international body, it may have been the UN, grading different countries on their level of democracy. Now, I don't know what metric they use. The hell does that mean? Once again, I don't know what metric they use, but they actually came up with something that we've seen before, even when it came when we discussed the World Happiness Report, which is it's really awesome to live in uh, uh, in Northern Europe, in um, the, the Norse areas, uh, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Denmark. It's really awesome to live there. And I still have a theory on that, which is something that, I don't know how or even if we can get to if and and I was about to say back to but I'm not 100% sure we were ever there. Well nobody freaking lives there. Of course it's nice to live there. <laughs> but there's also a concept there where their government they they actually their government looks at their people as though for all intents and purposes they're customers. These are services provided to the people that the people pay for and therefore expect service. Yeah, and they have high tax rates there, too. Exactly. But once again, it is something that is they're considering that they're paying for a service. No different than if you go to a hotel and you pay for your service to stay there and you expect certain results. That's basically the way that the relationship between government and people is in that area. We do not obviously have that here. We are not customers. We are subjects. Are, are you suggesting that we need to hold our government accountable for results? Because that is not something we are capable of doing as a as a nation right now. I know. So my question is, how do we get there? Murder them all? I, I mean, let's start over. <laughs> well, that's I, actually, actually I'm kind of going back to my as we have an election coming up. I'm kind of going back to my original uh, voting scheme, which is I vote against every incumbent. Yeah, cycle them. Cy- fire them. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> like, you, Trump you, had that part right. Fire them. Yeah, All but, of them. But but obviously it's completely fucked and you're not doing a good job. I don't care which side you're on. Uh, out. Oh, I do that with everything. Yeah, but, absolutely. I've done that for years. But even that then, hasn't it's, helped, it's, but. Be- it's becoming more and more and more apparent that when it comes to the two parties, you're looking at the flip side of the same coin. You're getting the same result with different explanations you're still you're losing your freedom of speech it's just a question of why whether it's because you made that person uncomfortable or whether or not you made that person uncomfortable uh you're losing you know medical autonomy but it's whether or not you're sat down and told that you're taking this vaccine whether you like it or not or whether or not you're being told that you can't get an abortion Uh, but the, the end result is the same well, they don't want to talk about that. That that's the part they don't want to talk about. They they so so I so I guess my question. I'm looking at a lot of these things. I'm looking at everything from race. I'm looking at education. I'm looking at socioeconomic standards. I'm looking at the wealth gap. I'm looking at um all of these things. And, and even then, when it comes into the concept of once again reparations, it, you, how do we stop? looking at everything that has happened in the past and figure out how to go forward from here. 
charismatic leadership and somebody who actually believes in the youth of America and has a plan for them to take over the country. And when I say take over, I mean to to respond in such a way that the economy is supported by them, that the job market is supported by them, that they do common sense things that make them productive members of society in such a way that they understand they are participating and in large part taking ownership of said nation. Now, if you find a motherfucker with that plan, you let me know, because right now all I can find is ass clowns who just want to get reelected. Anyway, my two cents. <laughs> Um, yes. Sorry, there's nowhere to go with that because <laughs> no, I, I know that I can't, like, we don't have one of those. But that's how we do it uh, because I think anybody over the age of, of 15 is too jaded and every, anyone over the age of 70 already has the money and the power uh, if they don't already, you know, uh, have collected whatever they're going to collect. And everybody in the middle is just a drone. So you have to start with the kids. And there's no – like we don't care about the youth in our country. All we care about is that they don't get an abortion, they don't do drugs, and they get on the system so that they can support all the old fuckers and the boomers that, uh, uh, generation. That's it. That's all we care about right now. Oh, and by the way, go to college and pay through the nose for it so you're indebted forever. By the way, you won't own a house ever because they're so, they're so expensive. You'll own nothing and you'll like it. That's where we're headed. So in order to fix that, we have to start at the bottom and, and grow that. What we've been doing is growing turnips uh, with that are, are like – the, the, you've seen the Flecka Speaks um, guy who answers every, every wrong question with yes. Um, yes. I, <laughs> like like I, I don't know. I'm hoping – and this is my great hope, okay? He goes through 10 or 12 people who actually know the answers and answer it like he's a freaking moron before he gets to the ones he puts on the video. I'm hoping that's true because if you can just go up to random people on the street, like my intelligence quotient is way higher than average if this is average. If that, if those <laughs> people are average, <laughs> can I, I'm can a I, goddamn genius. Can I quote George Carlin? Look at look at how dumb the average human being is and then realize that half of them are dumber than that. <laughs> like if that's average, it's so scary to me that these people are able to walk in public without a helmet. Like, what do you do? Did you? But, OK, but but then then let's let's take the stab at the educational system that's going on right now. We are educational system that we're dealing with, especially in college, especially in academia as a whole. We are not challenging anyone's preconceptions in any way, shape, or form. No. I mean, at it, all. No, not in the, not even the least bit. So what you have is the moment you ask somebody a deep and thoughtful question, they are either a completely incapable of answering you, or they simply get angry with you and call you a racist. Uh huh. <laughs> It seems to be the thing. And so basically I've I've spouted enough shit today to get me canceled on 12 platforms. Yeah, the good news is we're on a podcast and all we can just do is have nobody listen to us, but they can't cancel <laughs> us. It's great. But, but this is the last this is I, I swear to God, you, you people listen, both of you, um, including the, the lady who hates what comes out of our mouth. Thank you for listening, by the way. Um, 
if you've progressed that far in this particular cast. But uh, before you rage quit my voice, but there's there's a uh, we found out. I mean, they're coming right out and saying it now that, that the government is colluding with big tech to censor you. I'm not kidding. This is the last free media platform. This is the last free outlet that they haven't come for yet. And they've tried already once or twice. They'll get there. But right now, there is no gatekeeper for podcasts. So you can actually say what you think. But 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 even that, and, and no argument with any way, shape, or form there, um, going into the concept of challenging preconceived notions, uh, yes, I spouted a lot of shit in this podcast today, and I am every but aware that there are people out there who not only disagree with me, but angrily and vehemently disagree with me. I will be thrilled us. to, excuse me, us, I apologize, us. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Goose. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, but we will be thrilled to death and happy to see it if we get angry messages with people going, have you thought of this, that you are completely wrong? This is what we're talking about. We're talking about people getting their preconceived notions, challenges, and having conversations, even if they're heated, even if it's with somebody whose guts you absolutely hate, even if you hate what somebody said. The fact that you're having these conversations is is paramount. We can't do that anymore. So we're not learning anything about anybody else. I mean, look, I'll go back to using Yepix as an example. Um, Yepix and I agree on next to nothing, yet I love getting messages from the guy. You've heard me say that before because everything that he sends me makes me think about something. Uh, every once in a while, it does every bit challenge a preconceived notion that I've had. I may not come to the conclusion that he wanted me to with it, but once again, you have two people who don't agree with each other having conversations about something, hoping to see whether or not they can meet in the middle. And that's what we're not doing anymore in any way, shape, or form. If somebody says something that challenges your preconceived notions, people are just kind of either just standing there dumbfounded or just going, dick. Or actively trying to get you silenced. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which so, is the so, popular thing now. So, so basically, what it comes down to is, is, is I feel like the prove me wrong guy. I mean, quite frankly, if you listen to the shit that I, that excuse me, we spouted, spouted today and disagree with us, tell us. I, I, like, I, the one of the the great truths of living on this planet is that my reality is not the same as anybody else's. Of course. The things that I hold true, that I see, are not Speak your true truth, for man. everyone. Speak your truth. I mean, yeah, it's it's not true for everybody, and different situations call for different conclusions, and that's honestly what made us strong in the first place. We've lost a lot of that, uh, mostly because. Our policies and platforms from the top down are so weak they can take no discourse without crumbling because they're built on some kind of fractious lie. Most of them are built on some kind of fractious lie on either side, whatever whatever political lean you take. Uh, there's there's some bullshittery going on no matter where you look. So. Nobody's nobody's golden. 
And because of that, because there's nobody who's simply no side, no faction, no no party, no anything that's simply saying, hey, look, we're trying to get this done. This is all we're focusing on. Um, that, and it's going to benefit everyone in this way. There's nobody doing that. So what we've become is is a nation of finger pointers without any discourse. And that's a problem. Like that makes us weak. It really does. As a country, it makes us weak. And I, I think when you know you get somebody who's diametrically opposed to the things that you hold true, I'll give you an example. Everything that comes out of AOC's mouth, I fucking disagree with. Like it, it doesn't matter what she says. Like it, I, I haven't had an audio clip with that woman that I go, yeah, that's probably true. Like, Shit, I just had to agree with Elizabeth Warren a few weeks ago. That made me just feel <laughs> sick. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, like normally you could take somebody, like almost anybody, and and they'll say something, and I'll go, yeah, all right. I I I can't I can't stand AOC. I I hate I flames flames off the side of my face. The clue, uh, Madeline Kahn. For those of you who don't know, or too young to know who that is, um, I I I hate her. I think she's necessary. I think she speaks for somebody, and those people are important. I don't agree with her. I think she's a flaming idiot. But that doesn't mean... By the way, your phone going off was me sending you the link to that uh, parody account that I was saying. <laughs> but but yes, please continue about AOC. I'm not disagreeing with anything you have to say. But she's, she is important because she represents a bunch of people. She represents people who who share the same views as her, and those people are just as important as I am. Now, I, do I agree with them? No. Well, but that I, doesn't mean it, they shouldn't be represented. Actually, I think she represents her district wonderfully because she is very much a product of the district that she represents. The fact that she supposedly represents a voice of a generation is no. I don't want that generation to be on my country anymore. If she represents a generation, well, I I have a, a another question for you. Did you uh, did you hear the uh, the speech that came out of Germany about September twenty fourth? No, there was some sort of German forum somewhere along the line, and they were started talking about the fact that uh, it, it was a, it was a financial uh, forum, I believe. And they started talking about September 24th is going to be a day that you remember. Oh, no, I did hear that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I am completely, totally and utterly unenthused. Uh, I thought it was anticlimactic. Nothing happened. I feel just as bad as I did in 2012 on in December. I feel just as bad as I did on Y2K. Not a fucking thing happened. I was waiting for something at least to happen. Uh, they probably just zeroed whoever it was going to be and <laughs> we're going to come out with a thing and then it's no, nothing. Um, I don't, I don't, know. I was waiting for aliens to show up something. Really what it was is like, they, they were just late. <laughs> Somebody forgot to fill out a form. <laughs> oh crap. It was yesterday. Damn it. Now we got to wait another 10 years. You know, like well, it's something, you know, it'll be something stupid. Um, but, you know, hey, it's it, it happens. Um, I was waiting as well. I did hear that, and I was like, oh, yeah, and then nothing happened yesterday. <laughs> as we record that, September 24th was yesterday. And it's like, so I was just huh. waiting for something, just anything. Yeah, nothing. 
so anticlimactic. I mean, it's the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you remember Y2K. I, I oh was, my gosh, I was yeah. waiting for the lights to at least flicker. There were people who honestly, like for, for the, I can't imagine what young person who wasn't alive back then is listening to this, but, but there, there okay. were people well, who well, actually well, thought the machines would rise up against us. Let, let me, let me interject just for the younger people who are listening to this. Those who either were too young or not born yet in the, and, um, to, in the year 2000 or as the 1999 as the year 2000 hit somewhere around 1995, I think someone suddenly recognized that the computer programmers of the world had fucked up, in which case they had set uh, and had been lazy enough not to put the entire year in just about every computer system whatsoever. It was simply the last two digits. And suddenly everyone panicked when they went, what is, how are the computers going to respond to it when the date just goes to zero? Well, actually, it was, it was worse than that because Windows uh, at the time was set based on a date of nineteen of January first, nineteen hundred. And it went forward from that. So what would happen to all the Windows based systems in the world was before the patch came out, was the date would be reset. It wouldn't go to two thousand, it would be reset to nineteen hundred on January first of two thousand. And, and they the, had the world convinced that this was going to bring the world to a standstill. Apocalyptic. You know, the robots would take over. and The this electricity would, would be gone. Yeah, everything. it would throw us back in the dark ages. You know, the credit firms would, you know, you're, you wouldn't, you would no longer exist because time would reverse itself. You know, like it would be uh, just a weird thing. In fact, I remember they made us i was part of the it crew for the company i was working at at the time and they made us stay overnight and make sure that the patch was installed and that the computers did flip every computer did flip over to to the, to the year 2000 and well, i was salary so like that i didn't get paid extra for that crap <laughs> well it um, sucked i have to admit i was at a new year's eve party <laughs> Uh, and not only that, but I think that's the year that I hit the wall where I woke up on January 4th and went, shit, I can't do this to myself anymore. Um, <laughs> nice. with, with, with that said, I st- we all were basically looking for midnight to hit, just kind of like waiting for something to happen. You know, hoping that just m- maybe the lights would flicker and everybody would go, ooh, ah, not a damn thing. Nothing. You know, and then everybody got all excited about the Mayan calendar in 2012. Oh, yes. The world was ending with that one, too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. <laughs> Not an earthquake. Nothing shimmy. Nothing, nothing shook. There wasn't even a rainstorm that day. <laughs> you know, nothing. I, and they had people who were literally, like, like betting on this, like like they had sold their entire lives and they were like living their life like life would not continue past this date. And then it did. And they're like, oh, <laughs> right? it's just it was it's weird. People believe all kinds of weird crap. So the next one of those is apparently September 24th, 2022. And once Yesterday, again, as it as it turns out, and once again, not a damn thing happened. Nothing. So, on that note, what have you been entertaining yourself with? Uh, well, as you know, 
Uh, I'm a bit of a futurist. I love, I love techno. Oh, I think I know where you're and, going, and I was going to go future, there too. Future stuff. Um, last year, I think it was. It was early 2021, maybe late 2020. There was a game called Cyberpunk 2077 came out. I was all about it. Now the release was horribly botched, and the game was kind of multi, multifacetedly broken. Um, they did f- since fix it. I've been playing the newest patch 1.6, and it's it's flawless. I've I've had zero issues. Um, I love the game. It's it's basically like GTA in the future, for all intents and purposes. And Keanu Reeves is in it, and it's it's amazing. Um, but one of the things that they did to kind of CD Projekt Red, who is uh, also makes a game called Witcher, uh, you might have heard of that one as well. Yes. Um, a little bit, right? Made a made a small show about that. Uh, well, they made a small show about Cyberpunk 2077 called Cyberpunk, and it's on Netflix. It is amazing. It took all the the world of Cyberpunk 2077 in the game and just made it into an anime. And it is excellent in every way. Oh, a very well done anime. And and I, once again, hearing you talking to uh, Beef about it, um, I agree with you. My first thought was, holy shit, this feels like Ghost in the Shell, like original Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. No, it does. It feels like Ghost in the Shell. It really does. Um, I... And it, it's got that gritty feel of the game too. Like it, it, they perfectly encapsulated it. I, I think it's it's probably one of the better ones I've seen, to be quite honest. Um, I love techno punk. Love techno punk. My wife is a steampunk, like which is kind of an analogy analogy for our relationship because she is obsessed with the past and I'm obsessed with the future. Like she does history and and you know. Uh, she's a member of the historical society and she does genealogy and all that kind of stuff. And I am like obsessed with the future. Um, whereas we both love punk, but it's just different types of punk. <laughs> she loves steampunk. I love techno punk. And it is one of the best examples of techno punk other than ghost in the shell that I could remember in the, in the recent couple of years for sure. My turn. Absolutely. <laughs> I uh, said, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> it's an excellent show. I've been enjoying it as well. Or, excuse me, I'll rephrase. I enjoyed it as well. Um, have you bothered picking up on House of the Dragon yet? No, beefs up my ass about that, too. I haven't. Uh, like, I got kind of Game of thrones out. Um, uh, now, are you fantasy epic out or just Game of Thrones out? I don't know. I've been leaning towards a bunch of techno stuff recently because I just got back into cyberpunk and I've been playing Mass Effect and and, you know, all that. So I've been on the techie side of stuff. Uh, does it have a lot of boobs and sex? Um, some, but not nearly what the Game of Thrones started with. Then I would be severely less interested. <laughs> uh, have you bothered with the rings of power? No, no. Okay. Is it good? Um, I can see how people who are complete. <laughs> I love to- when he starts. Off, um, it, it's it kind of goes into the thing. Is is it actually a good show? Yes, I think where if people who um are really, really, really into the Tolkien novels, 
uh, will probably have similar issues to it that they had with the movies and the fact that the timeline is a little bit screwy. If you're if you're thinking really what happened, what Tolkien has written about the quote unquote second age in Middle Earth. Um, but at the same time, is it a good show? Yeah, it's a good show. Um, but at the same time, I can understand how a couple of the real diehard Tolkien enthusiasts have kind of lost their minds a little bit. Uh, my brother is a is one of said enthusiasts. Um, he's he's super into Tolkien, always has been. Um, I'm if if he was able to watch the movies and get past some of the things that they changed, then he would probably be just fine watching this. But if he couldn't, he's definitely not going to get past on this one. He he watched the movies, but here's he's one of those people that. That like he watched them and he enjoyed them, but you have to hear for several hours the actual in the book they did this. I now, will I will admit being was guilty superior. of that. I will I will say it's superior, but I I am guilty of of saying that there are certain things that I preferred from the novels that from the movies. Uh, yeah. uh, like uh, and and we we go round and round about that. I, like I'm like look. You know, like more people enjoyed the movie than enjoyed the books. Like it's a wider, they casted a wider net. They had to make it more a little bit. They had to change some stuff for visual appearance, and you couldn't go into all this, you know, all that stuff. Uh, we had the same, yes, the same yes, thing we know about Balrogs don't have wings. Get over it. Right. Like it's like okay, dude. Like <laughs> we we did the same thing on Harry Potter, right? Like all the movies of Harry Potter. Like the first Harry Potter movie was dead on in the books, right? Like it was, I mean, it was almost verbatim and then they just kind of diverged a little bit from there. Well, uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to defend Harry Potter to some extent, even the fact that I agree with the fact that they diverged from the books. By the time you got to the fourth books, they were so complicated that it wasn't going to make a movie. Uh, now, it, there's now, some decisions you have to make to be like, okay, people are going to have to watch this. So we got to make this watchable. Yeah. But at the same time, my complaint was, and, and once again, I don't blame him for it because it wasn't going to be doable, was that if you, all you had done was seen the movies, if you hadn't read the books, you really honestly had no friggin' clue what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, and, and uh, everybody gets that way about stuff you've read. Like, Blade Runner and Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep are two different animals. No oh, absolutely. I mean, hell, um, I think I think the one that the, the, the first one to have me beating my head on the desk was Running Man. <laughs> yeah, no, I could see that. <laughs> now, see, a, a lot of the technopunk I've read, you know, like, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. I, I have signed copies of some of it. Like, I, I love technopunk, and I would prefer the books, absolutely. And I think anything that you're passionate about, you normally prefer the more in-depth take on it. But if you're just a casual fan of something and you don't want to read the books, that's not a sin. No, you know what I mean. Just like consume the story, be a fan, be engaged at whatever level you're going to be engaged at. Don't miss the the thing just because some geek about the subject said these are much better. You know, like I, okay, okay. Can, can, can I can I throw at least one thing at you though? <laughs> okay. <laughs> How many times have you crawled up my ass when I've seen a show or watched a movie but never played the video game? I didn't. What did I just say? I said anytime you get somebody who's passionate about it, they're gonna do that. It is absolutely, it's one hundred percent true. I like nobody's not guilty of this. Like it's, 
and it works both ways. Like you're saying, it works both ways because the game is a shitload more in depth than the book, right? Like the book is going to take you about four or five hours to read. The game's going to take about a hundred to consume <laughs> correctly, and it's more in depth, and there's more stuff to it. So, and that's like the ultimate. And people like, I I will tell you this: book nerds get super pissed at me when I suggest this, but video games are more like, uh, especially video games that are like uh, role playing games, uh, like your Mass Effects and your Witchers and 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 stuff like that. Uh, or cyberpunk, and to to be exact, um, are way more involved than a movie or a book. Like both a movie and a book, you can combine the two, and they're still super abbreviated because you have a hundred fucking hours packed in this game. So I'm like, look, if you really want it in depth and be in it, do the game. And they're like, oh, the books are so much better. I'm like, no, they are not. <laughs> I've had yes. sex with a blue alien, have you? <laughs> oh, and in the book, you'll only once hear someone say, I used to be an adventurer, then I took an arrow to the knee. <laughs> right. Like, like, there's a reason those are tropes, because in the first uh, initial release of it, that's all he fucking said. Like, any time you had to initiate into this town with a guard of some sort, and they'd walk past you. No reason at all. And just say it. And you'd, be, you'd hear it a thousand times, you know? Uh, it, it's there's a reason those tropes exist, and there's always a super nerd. There's always a bigger super nerd than you. And I guess my point, uh, uh my long rambling point, is engage at whatever <laughs> level. If people are you not want wanting long at. rambling points, they've long since left this podcast. Yeah, they've, <laughs> they've quit long before now, dickhead. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But um, engage at whatever level you want to engage at. Although I will say, and I am a fan, and I do support this, like, learn to play the games, and you get so much more out of it. Just like the book nerds will tell you, read the book, you'll get so much more out of it. It's true. You just may not have that level of engagement, although I am going to force him to play Mass Effect if he ever shows his face on my doorstep. <laughs> hey, like, hey I, I've gotten a little bit deeper into the, the PC RPGs. Um, I, I went ahead and purchased um, uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 and Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> baby steps. Baby steps. That's oh, fine. Uh, I, it's all good. Well, yeah, but th that's, you know, once again, that's turn-based stuff. It's not, you know, okay, you've got six million buttons you got to do right now or you die. See, and that's the that's the the thing like you don't like uh there's there's um it seems like that but you can develop a play style that doesn't uh doesn't involve that there's a whole play style and 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 you had sent me something and i know we got to go here but but you had sent me something a while back that was like the honest trailer for skyrim and it's like play any one of three play styles one Hack and slash anything that moves, you know, which is my play style, by the way. Like, like I hit two buttons in Skyrim. One is attack, and the other is collect loot. You know, like if if it's moving and close to me, and I don't have a dialogue button to hit, I'm gonna kill it. That's that's Skyrim for me. Like stab and slash collect loot. Well, I will admit, I it. I have found myself following one of your tropes. I created my character for Baldur's Gate 3 and it turned out that she's a hot drow lesbian. Yeah, see, I that's 
like 99% of the characters I've, although cyberpunk's a dude and I, I don't know why I like playing a dude in cyberpunk and I like playing chicks everywhere else. But anyway, I, I 90, like a, my situation has always been, if I'm going to follow somebody's ass around for nine, like third person, follow somebody's ass around for 90 hours, it's going to be a chick's hot ass. All right. I'm not going to do a dude. Uh, cyberpunk is a little different because I like the idea that that could be me. Um, Mass Effect, Skyrim, all the rest of that stuff. I know it's not me. <laughs> it's like I, I can't put myself in that level of disbelief. So she's just going to be a hot lesbian. Well, but, well it was funny because I created the character, basically a female drow. And next thing you know, it says, now pick the love of your life. And if and a woman shows up, I'm like, ooh, I can do that. Ooh, that one. <laughs> I want her. Can I have her? I want to see the two of them do nasty things together. And you can do that. Uh, but, like, uh, there's three play styles, generally speaking. There's sneaking, which is you, like, go around slowly and sneak around everything, which, like, takes everything and makes it four times as long. There's hack and slash, which is what I do. And then there's magicking the shit out of things, where you just explode things all day. That's usually my trick. <laughs> Those three play styles transfer across almost every uh, massive role-playing game. Uh, all of them. All of them are built like that. Either blow it up, hack and slash, or sneak. Those are the three main play styles that e and everyone will take one of those three. One of those three will be how, how your play style is. It may differ a little bit, but everyone will take one of those three things. Either magicking or blowing stuff up, hack and slash, or sneaking. So the button, yeah, you have 50 buttons that you can push, but you're only going to use three of them. <laughs> Whatever play style you use, you're going to use about three of them. Am I sneaking? Yes. Am I going to shoot this guy from so far away or just like sneak up behind him? Yes. Okay, so I use this button for that. All right, I'm going to hack and slash. What's attack? Okay, that's strong attack. That's weak attack. All right, I'm going to use strong attack all the time or weak attack all the time. And that's all you're going to do. Get close, hack and slash. Um, magicking is the same as explosives in other games, right? It's just I'm going to use detonation. Like, Fireball! Yeah, radiant area of effect. Right? That's the same. You use the same play style no matter what you do in every game, and there's only three or four buttons. Right? Once you figure out how to move, there's three or four buttons. Yeah, but I, I have a trouble even getting the movement concept down. You know, there's a uh, – I will credit him with this. Um, this guy I used to podcast with who taught me how to do that, and he taught me how to do it with Halo because I was miserable. I was moving from computer to Xbox for the first time, and I was I was shooting at the ceiling. I was shooting my own feet. I'd throw grenades at my own ankles. You know, like I was terrible at it, and he taught me a method to get through all of that. It took a, it took a little time, but he's like, look, just – leave one axis out of it. Yes, you won't be as effective. Absolutely. But <laughs> you can get through by just doing this and using this as you get used to it. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll try it. And it worked. It it did. I will give him credit for this. It did work. Uh, I will teach you the same thing because you're going to go, oh, well, that's stupidly simple. That can't work. And it does. <laughs> Well, I've got one last piece of entertainment, and then I'll I'll, I'll shut up and you know uh, publish this so we can figure out who hates our guts. Shoot, uh, which I'm sure is going to happen this week. Oh yeah. Um, 
the FX, uh, and it's on Hulu if you're not doing normal TV, um, has a new show that came out with Steve Carell and, shit, I forgot the other kid's name, the redhead kid who played the Gen- General Hux um, in the Star Wars things. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, he, he, the uh, General Hux plays a serial killer who abducts his therapist so that he can suddenly be honest with him and see if his therapist can get him to talk him out of being a serial killer. <laughs> That's awesome. I saw the trailer for that. Oh, my, I'm different than every other person you have, and more important because I want to kill people. I did see that. I don't. I, I have it, you it, seen any of it? I've I've watched the first few episodes. It is a little bit of a slow burn. I I think whether or not I love it or hate it is going to depend on the resolution at the end of the season. Nice. Uh, it, it's it's one of those ones that's either going to come down to a resolution that's going to make you go, that was worth it. Or it's going to come up with something, some piece of bullshit that you're going to go, I can't believe I gave that much of my life to this. <laughs> One or the other. There is going to be no in-between. <laughs> and there's times when you can feel it going both of those directions. Hey, you know, like, uh, it, it. as long as you get some entertainment with it, I, I'm I'm down with it. Like, that sounds like a good premise to me. Well, it's once again, it's definitely been interesting. I am recommending that people give it a shot, but I, I'm not promising that they're going to be satisfied at the end of it, because honestly, <laughs> I don't know whether I'm going to be yet or not. I don't know, man. My favorite serial or my favorite like serial killer therapy sessions has always been gross point blank. Oh, God, that was so awesome. That was so, so when freaking did that movie good. Oh. God, uh, gross point. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look that I think, up. I think that's a '90s one, so I don't think that'll. 1997. Yeah, because I was because I was gonna say Cusack was a little bit older for that one. So yeah, that was John Cusack, Mini Driver, Joan Cusack, Dan Aykroyd, Alan Arkin. I mean, it had Jeremy Piven. Ten, ten years. Uh, it was so freaking. Good. I was hoping I mean, it was coming from the 80s, but I I, I no, just thought about was, how that old, was super 90s. Yeah, I thought about how old um, Cusack was in that one. I went, no, no. Well, yeah, he was going back for his for his 10 year reunion, so he was already a little little older. But that was like that was my favorite like serial killer therapy. Okay, I'll give it a shot, Doc. No, 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 no. Don't give it a shot. Don't shoot anybody. <laughs> just just go to your <laughs> just go to your reunion. <laughs> <laughs> it's so freaking good. Uh, by the way, if you guys haven't seen Gross Point Blank, I cannot recommend. I highly recommend it. Uh, it is oh, one John, of John John Cusack at his best. Actually, I I would honestly say that is my favorite John Cusack movie. It is also my favorite Joan Cusack movie. Um, Mini Driver. In, in a lot of movies, she rubs me the wrong way. Oh, she was so freaking. Oh no, no, I agree this. with you in that one. In this one. It is. She is so freaking great in this. Why are you so obsessed? I don't understand why you're so obsessed with this. I just think it's interesting that you came from somewhere. <laughs> uh, Joan Cusack was awesome and shameless, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I prefer Gross Point Blank. I, I would I would totally agree with you, but I would prefer Gross Point Blank, mostly because of the whole interaction between John Cusack and Joan. And uh, Mini Driver and John Cusack, you know, where where and Jeremy Piven as the best friend who figures out that he or his friend, his old friend who figures out that he is a an assassin is just like, huh, 
Cool. Jeremy Piven is a character actor that should have gone further in life. Oh my God, he's so good, and he's he's great in this movie. He over they you they must have told him to overact everything. I I don't think he you know it, with I don't think he does great as a main character, but as a um, supporting, supporting character, character, he is oh. amazing. Fantastic. He actually did some. I can't remember what the name of the TV show was, but I saw he was in the uh, grocery store with his best friend. This was, this was a basic sitcom that he was on for a period of time. They're pushing their uh, carts, and the other guy had recently, uh, his wife had recently had a baby. And he looked over at Jeremy Piven and went, So. After the baby was born, how long was it before the two of you? And Jeremy Piven looked at him dead in the eye and went, you looked at it, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) And the guy's like, what? He goes, when the baby came out, you looked at it, didn't you? He goes, yeah. (laughs) He goes, goes, you're looking at this thing that has been just the, the anchor and love of your life and everywhere you've tried to be and go for all these years of your life. And all of a sudden, a human being pops out of it. And just when you're looking at it, that, that what a miracle it is, all this other stuff comes out, too. And you just can't look at it the same way again. Well, you know. I... <laughs> and the best part about it is when they clip over to the wives hanging out. And the wife looks at it and goes, you know. When your kids were born, how long was it before the two of you? And the other wife looks at him, just looks at her and goes, he looked at it, didn't he? (laughs) Uh, By the way, uh, if you're looking for uh, Jeremy Piven, honestly, I think his best, go look at Entourage. He played a character called Ari Gold, who is, in my personal opinion, yeah, in my personal opinion, probably his masterwork. The character was so good and so fit to Piven's acting style that everything else after that has just been downhill. Uh, fantastic series uh, if you've if you've never seen it. But uh, yeah, I think that's all I've got. I've given uh, a '90s reference, uh, a uh, 2000s reference, TV reference, and cyberpunk. So. Uh, other than gross point blank, probably useless this week as far as recommendations. Uh, you know what? Um, we have pissed people off enough this week. I'm sure there, if we've ever gotten hate messages, we will get them now. I look forward to them. <laughs> and you know what the fun part about it is? We didn't mention Uncle Joe once. Not one time. I mean, even him perving out over the woman who he said he worked with when she was 12 and he was 30. We didn't even go there. I wasn't even going to touch it. <laughs> Unlike him. With that said, we'll see you all next week. <laughs>